and one. Good, I don't know, day or night, sure. And welcome to Richard and Carl Presents Deep Space and Dragons. I'm Richard. And I'm Carl. With a K, to be specific. So, what's new in the Carlverse? Uh, well, uh, in a unfortunate drunken mishap, uh, I stabbed my TV to death with a knife. Uh, so there's a lot of things I was expecting you to talk about. Fostering a kitten for a couple weeks, returning from your adventures in the middle of geographic nowhere, multiple work trips, stabbing a TV to death. That was not one of them. Like, what happened? Were you forced to watch a bad reboot of a series you were passionate about as a kid? What uh, happened? Well, here? I mean, okay, okay so so there there's a little bit a little bit of a context here, I suppose. Uh, I had just gotten back from a month long uh, out of town work trip, uh, and my sister, she wanted to come over for supper, and so I was like, I'm gonna make you supper, and. Uh, the meal I decided to make is something that, that I like to call uh, honey ginger rum chicken. Although I guess I made pork chops, but regardless, you, you take spice rum, you mix it with, with honey, uh, and then you add you know cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, kind of those, those, that kind of uh, flavor group. And then you, you bake your meat in, in the sauce. Uh, <clears throat> so you, know, you buy, do two sticks of spiced rum, and then you, you only use like uh, maybe one cup of, of rum. And I, I, I actually, I think I probably only used like two shots of rum. So, so anyway, I had some liquor left over. And then I was hanging out with some of my other friends that I hadn't seen for a month. And it was like, we were thinking about things to do. It's like, oh yeah, well, let's, let's have some drinks. Uh, and then I don't remember exactly why, but I ended up throwing my controller at the TV and, and it, uh, it broke the screen. Okay, uh, so your controller was a knife, or am I still missing a detail? No, 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 no. One of one of my roommates came home and he saw the TV was broken, and I don't know why he decided to grab a butter knife and stab the TV, but he was like, "I'm gonna stab the TV with a butter knife." And in in my drunken stupor, I was like, "Why would you use a butter knife? You're clearly not gonna actually be able to stab the TV with a butter knife." So I grabbed a real knife, and I was like, "This is how you stab a TV." And I was like, so did you at least unplug the TV before you held a non-insulated piece of metal and stabbed the circuitry with it? No. No. I didn't get zapped either, so I mean, that's pretty lucky. Because if I had to get a new co-host because my previous co-host electrocuted themselves by stabbing a TV <laughs> with a butter knife, I mean, that gives me an episode, but then what? <laughs> Oh, oh, come on. There's there's danger in every moment of life. I just heard a story about someone who uh, a meteorite smashed through their house and missed them by a couple centimeters. Yeah, but here's the thing. When we look at statistics and the odds of injury, you can look at the numbers and think, I'm not likely <laughs> to get in a car accident because the odds are not that high. But if you decide to then grab a go-kart and drive headfirst down the Autobahn in Germany, you have adjusted these odds against your favor. Stabbing metal into electrical sockets is adjusting these odds against your favor. Uh, okay, okay. I I don't know much about TV circuitry, but I'm fairly certain you're, you're not actually going to connect any sort of meaningful electrical circuit to, to shock yourself by stabbing a TV screen. There are electrical components that you could stab and, and electrocute yourself, but the screen itself, uh, 
you're just not very likely to bridge a, a meaningful circuit to actually deal damage to it to yourself when you break it. And my second question is, did I give you that TV? Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, it kind of deserved to die because <laughs> it was like 10 years old and it weighed 80 pounds. The new TV I got is five inches larger and only weighs 40 pounds. I mean, no, I'm still personally offended by a guy a nice decade OTV and he stabs it to death. <laughs> uh, you guys didn't exactly buy it, buy the TV for me. You traded it away because it's 80 pounds and you didn't want to have to move with it. Game, set, match. So I'm going to say, winner Carl, congratulations, you won. Mostly because you're somehow still alive. Despite all logic. Oh, and what's, what's new with you, Richard? Um, well, I've been putting together a, port a poetry portfolio for various purposes, and I found myself writing what was effectively a haiku battle between Goku and Vegeta. And I don't okay. even care what I get for marks on that, because it's a haiku battle between Goku and Vegeta. <laughs> Where, sure, dying for your friends makes you a hero, but you also left your pregnant wife and child behind, so maybe you're not a great guy. <laughs> so I pretty much locked myself in my writing cave and have been writing all weekend. Whilst mm -hmm. the world passed me by. But in all seriousness... Yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you claim to have been writing all weekend, but uh, really you were just researching Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I mean, I also did. Well, Baldur's Gate uh, 3 is currently in early access, and they've been probably putting the most updates and refinements I've ever seen in a video game. So every few months they'll add a new D&D &D class, add a new mechanic, add more characters, plot, fix a couple billion bugs. And it is a truly ambitious video game. So, yes, I did play a bit of that this weekend. I've also done some writing this weekend. Most of which, today, because Monday's part of my weekend this weekend. And with that, let's move into today's topic. So, on today's topic, let's talk about fan art, fan work, what constitutes being fan-created, and is voicing over your favorite cartoon a work of fanfiction? So, to start with, Carl, have you ever done any fan art of a character? Uh, no, I, I've never personally done any fan art of a character. Uh, I, I don't know if deviant art is still a, uh, a medium of choice, uh, but I did create a, a deviant art account to post my own small collection of, of art that I've done that I felt was worthy of being posted anyways. And so, you know, I've gone through some of the, the deviant art um, rabbit holes, seeing some, seeing some people's uh, fan art. Uh, you know, some of it's like, are you sure that's not the original? And some of it's like, oh, well, I mean, it's better than what I could do. That's fair. Like, one thing I've been enjoying a lot is in my Twitter feed, I get a lot of chibi fan art, mostly by design, by following people who make chibi fan art. And little mm -hmm. comic strips that are take your favorite characters and put them in everyday scenarios are one of my favorite preferred forms of fan art because it just gives you that little spike of joy. Mm -hmm. And on that note, though, for fan art, here's a question for you. If you make a fictional character in the create a character mode of a video game, is that fan art to you? 
Uh, well, okay, so you create a fictional character in the in the video game. Uh, that is not itself fan art, but the fan art would be uh, if you create your character and you run all the way through to the end, and then you decide that you like your character so much that you want to like uh, portrayed in other mediums. Uh, then, then that's where it becomes becomes fan art. Is is where you're. I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be other mediums. Like, if you if you take your video game character and just decide, you know, my custom character in this game, I'm just going to create a new video game that's based around this character. I mean, you have to be careful to, to not plagiarize, I guess, at that point. So it's you're, you're definitely less likely to plagiarize if you change mediums. Well, one thing, like, for example, is once upon a time when Smash Bros. Ultimate was out, I made the entire cast... Well, the entire characters of Critical Role as fighting characters in Smash Bros. This was a non-profit endeavor which mostly spent with me tweaking me characters until they matched certain elves and druids and gunners and what have you. And then I proceeded to record a battle royale between these characters of characters of characters and then posted that on Twitter for my personal amusement. Am I a fan artist? using the medium of custom characters in Smash Bros. Ultimate? I would definitely say that constitutes as fan arts because my main criteria is uh, is changing the medium. And uh, theater of the mind is definitely a completely different medium than a physical video game. Uh, and even <clears throat> if you consider the uh, like critical role as a, as a video series, um, putting them into a video game is still like it's a very similar medium uh and your method of distribution is still the same because you create a video but but it's definitely not the same content and you've added your own fan flair to it and on that note so critical role came into a bit of a controversy recently when so twitch had a massive leak which showed how much money people were making Ooh. and around the same time critical role decided to change one of its fan art policies these two events had nothing to do with each other. But it was revealed that Critical Role makes a fair amount of money on Twitch, which you'd expect from one of their most popular shows with a full cast of voice actors. And I'm not going to say the specific numbers. But mm. what caused controversy is around the same time, they announced that they're no longer doing a fan art reel during breaks of the show, because they used to show fan art before an episode, during their intermission, and then after an episode. They didn't get rid of their fan art altogether, they instead moved it to a gallery on their website. They haven't announced publicly the reason for the change, but my best guess would be that somebody probably claimed that they tried to use their fan art without permission, and they decided to go through a more rigid uh, more rigid submission process. Mm. So, my question to you is, if you became famous and our podcast was a super success hit and people were doing Carl fan art as it were, would you air your fan art before and after your show? Would you put it in a separate gallery? Or would you pretend it never happened because your identity is important to you? And we're talking Carl the character, not Carl the person. I'm sure there's a difference. Uh, well, I mean, <clears throat> Carl the person has, has lived a full, has, has lived a life where Carl the character in this podcast has only existed for, you know, like a month or two. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you do run into some uh, like potential legal complications with that kind of stuff for sure, because uh, 
for for copyrights as soon as you create a work of art uh you get a copyright like you don't actually have to apply for it it's just inherent to the artist's work uh so um most fans of a series they're they're not going to be too concerned about the, the the original creators that they're uh that they enjoy using using their art they're actually going to be honored that the original creators uh appreciated their art that much uh but you will have some people who uh, don't like the idea that the original creator is monetizing both their original creation and uh the fan creations um and so it's like me personally uh I would definitely not uh, do a reel of fan art in in my main product. I, w I would have a place for fan submissions, and would have uh, some sort of uh, like um, open source license kind of thing, where it's like people submit their fan art and they have to agree to the agree to the licensing so that uh, you know they can't decide, oh, you're monetizing my product, and but like copyright law is is, is just kind of a, a difficult thing because then you you know um, fair use someone can claim fair use but then you actually have to go to court and prove uh, that it was fair use and it's just it's a huge hassle so definitely I would I would uh, if it was fan art of me I would feel flattered but I would not post it unless it was in a, a uh, legally <laughs> legally safe area yeah, in my case, I did receive some fan art for the Waltz of Blades, a few submissions here and there, and I've only ever posted them via Twitter or social media after getting the express permission of the creator. Can mm -hmm. I have this? Can I share this? Can I show people? Because I received adorable chibi artwork of my two protagonists, Siora and Halloween, and I mm -hmm. was through the moon. That made me so happy. I want to stick those on everything. Like, I would love for them to be little emotes in a chat. I would love to put them on whatever I can, but I need art the artist's permission before I show them anywhere. And not just like, oh, they've given me permission once, so six months from now I will cover my wall in them. More of, every time I want to share it, I need to ad get another permission to do it. Yeah, because, like, if someone's changed their fan art enough, which, which is part of the reason I said today that fan art requires you to change the medium, uh, but if someone changes it enough, then it becomes their own new work of art that was just inspired by the other work. Uh, and then uh, some people uh, just don't like the idea that their work is being uh, monetized without their permission. And to loop into a weird direction as we are talking about pre-stream about Dungeons and & Dragons and running campaigns and settings and things... It's always mm. weird when you try and, like, incorporate people's creations into your own. Like, say, for example, you run a D&D campaign set to take place in the world of Critical Role. And then you try mm. and do your impression of those characters in that setting, even though you can because they've given you permission. It creates, like, a weird dissonance when you try too hard to emulate other people's characters and creations. Hey, yeah, um... <clears throat> This, like fan art, like I say, it, it's very, very flattering. Like uh, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Uh, but uh, at the same time, it is imitation. So it's 
So there's going to be those those slight differences between what you're presenting and the original content. And super fans of uh, of shows uh, sometimes will nitpick fan art uh, or uh, fan fiction because they're like, oh, this character would never do this in the show. And it's like, well, this is someone's taking cre- a little bit of creative license to, to express themselves. Which is more than fair, like... How can I put this? So, I receive a lot of Ruby fan art in my Twitch stream because... Well, there is the original series Ruby, which I loved and adored. And then there's the superior series Ruby Chibi, where they did comedy skits <laughs> with Chibi characters. Which is my jam. Like, I'm having trouble falling asleep at night because I've just watched something too horrifying in a sci-fi show. Boom, put on an episode of Ruby Chibi to act as mind soap to clear it away. And... <laughs> That's already cool, but what's an interesting thing is, and what always makes me happy, is when someone reaches out to a fan creator or a fan artist and gets them involved on some of the closer actual projects. Like, here's an interesting full circle, for example. An acquaintance of mine writes the spin-off novels for Ruby, and they're officially licensed spin-off novels. And then another acquaintance of mine does artwork based on the fan art based on the novels that are based on the original. So, if the person doing the fan art then got hired on to do original art, it would go full circle. Uh, so, like, I, I, I focused mostly on, on the, the legal aspect of copyright law in, in terms of fan art, because that's it's a kind of a gray area. Uh, but uh, fan art is also a display of how much you've connected with, with your fan base. Um, and... Um, you definitely want to be able to give people that that freedom uh, to show how much they appreciate the work that you've been doing, uh, and reaching out to fan creators to help create the original, create more original content, uh, is a fantastic way, way to to uh, grow a brand and branch out your stories or ideas in in new directions that that you might never have thought of yourself. Like, and so, like, it's it's very important to get people to submit fan art because that's just one of the best ways to connect with your fan base. Oh, for sure. And I'm willing to back that claim and go, to anyone who sends me fan art of Richard or Carl, I will definitely respond, be greatly flattered, and the best piece of fan art I receive, I will definitely send a free digital copy of the Waltz of Blades Deluxe to anyone that wows me with some original Carl fan art to put on my wall. Ooh. I am a little bit curious what people think I look like. Right? Like, the visual of you building a sandblaster and shooting a TV, there's just beautiful, beautiful room for <laughs> Chibi Carl comics to exist. Oh, uh, yeah. The poor TV. It, it, lived its, it lived a happy life, but it... It, I'm, it got morbidly obese. I'm just... I'm sorry. I mean, first off... No weight shaming. We are a progressive, positive show, and that TV gave you uh, hours of entertainment. Morbidly obese has a medical definition, and I feel like my TV met the medical definition of morbidly obese. Yeah, but you never sought to like help it lose weight or give it like an assistance cart. You're just nah. I'm just kill it. That's not okay. Fair enough. We're not allowed to discriminate, uh, kill people based on, on discriminating on their weight. Like you got got to kill people equally. Yeah, you get it. 
So, with that topic on the... On the... Wow, my brain just froze completely. Say things. Uh, well, so, uh, on, on the idea of uh, fan art, uh, the uh, TFS, Team Four Star, on YouTube, and obviously they have their own channel, uh, they have their own website, and all, all sorts of brands and stuff that they've built for themselves. Um, and that is definitely an interesting uh, thing about fan art, because they don't really change the, the medium, and they don't really change the original like art itself. But they do put a lot of time and, and effort into their artistic craft of, of voice acting uh, to create new content out of old content. Uh, <laughs> and that, again, kind of blurs the line between uh, original content and new content because it's, so, it's, it's very, very different from the original Dragon Ball Z. If you watch the Dragon Ball Z abridged, it's, it's, you know, it follows the same story almost beat for beat, and yet somehow... Uh, manages to be a completely different animal. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and they had to make sure at the start of each episode to mention that itself was a gotten-for-profit fan-based parody, and they ran into countless battles about whether they could remove it or keep it up, it being pulled down seemingly at random, because it was in such a mm. gray quantum state of both being fan art and an original product. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, again, a lot, a lot of the times that they have, they they would get taken down. Uh, that whole fair use, where it's like, did you change it enough that people are are still going to get something new from your new product, but they won't get everything that they would have got from the original product? You know, it's, you got to make sure that it, it's different enough. But uh, that has to get decided by a judge. Uh, so this, that's why you have to be careful about uh, when and how you post fan art because someone might take it down and then you're not able to put it back up until an actual legal court says, yes, that was indeed fair use and this is just a frivolous lawsuit from the original creator. Like, for example, one of my favorite Ruby fan artists, AG Nonsuch on Twitter, had their account pulled down because several years ago a YouTube video had unlicensed background music that pulled down their mm. completely unrelated Twitter account because of it. Mm -hmm. And it took them a while to get freed from that space and be able to put themselves back on the air, so to speak, mm. because of a copyright claim from something that happened years prior that wasn't even related to what they were creating now. Yeah. But on the topic of transition on uh, awkward scene transitions, I think it's time for us to go into our random question of the week. This week's random question comes from an Aaron who asks, if you could add any character to the Nickelodeon fighting game roster, who would it be? They would probably add the Angry Beaver, so no stealing that. Hmm. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Huh. Oh, man, I definitely am freezing up thinking just like, you're like, oh, look at Nickelodeon. Then I'm thinking about it. It's like, well, Danny Phantom's already in there. He's he's pretty badass. And they have weird ones like uh, like Powdered Toast Man. It's like, what? Um, right? Like, but uh, may maybe like more, more Rugrats. Just straight up Chucky Finster? <laughs> Well, no, I, I might, I might do it something like, uh, like Pokemon Trainer from, uh, oh, that's from great. Smash Bros. 
Or you just switch out which baby you're doing and they have different special moves and stuff. That's pretty the, fantastic. The parents, would, the parents would probably be the trainers. <laughs> I could get behind that. I mean, I would put in the protagonist from My Life as a Teenage Robot, a show that's Ooh. woefully underrepresented because I very much enjoyed it. But I'd also... The obvious, where's Jimmy Neutron and where is Timmy from Fairly Odd Parents? They're just both glaring absentees from that game. Well, you know, uh, the Jimmy Neutron universe, if you're interested in, in an extension of it, uh, the Grubhub, uh, the food delivery service, uh, there is a surprising amount of evidence to, to suggest that the Grubhub commercials are uh, uh, somewhat of a sequel to, to uh, Jimmy Neutron's storyline. So That is just so bizarre that I'm just going to wrap up that and move into our dragon question of the week. <laughs> And this week's dragon question is pretty straightforward, pretty simple, and it's definitely going to freeze you with choice paralysis. If you had a pet okay, dragon, okay. what would you name them? Sparky. We're going with Sparky. But they have to be a lightning dragon. I'm, I'm not I'm not getting a, a fire dragon. That sounds like it'd be too, too dangerous, but Sparky. Sparky sounds like a cool guy. Fair enough. I, myself, have always been a fan of the Charmander Zippo. So Zippo is definitely a strong contender for a dragon name, and he would be a fire dragon. And I'm pretty confident with that answer. So we got Sparky and Zippo. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of went with the first thing that came to mind because you said I would have choice paralysis. But at the same time, despite its genericness, I, I think I would be happy with a little dragon named Sparky. Definitely fair enough. And with that, thank you everybody for tuning in. Submit your questions for your chance to win the Waltz of Blade Deluxe. And also, if you feel like sending in some Carl or Richard fan art, it would be greatly appreciated. You might be able to win yourself a free ebook that way. And a special shout out to all our friends on Patreon for allowing us to hit much more distribution. Their help is appreciated. Thank you for tuning in and have a lovely indescript period of time. I mean, you know, hopefully it'll only be, be a week, but yeah, have a lovely time of, of time. Bye. Minutes. Bye.